And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Great show today. Uh, excellent show today. Uh, it's the big one, ladies and gentlemen. Our annual year-end review award show episode, the granddaddy of them all. I was joined by my good friend, Drew Holden. It's always a great time talking to Drew. I, I think you guys, uh, I think you'll enjoy this episode. Uh, you'll laugh, you'll cry, probably everything in between as well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, before I get to Drew, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, if you are on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, and if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved, you can hit us up over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Drew Holden. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Drew Hoden. Drew, how are you doing, my friend? How was your Christmas? Hey, man, it was good. It was relaxing. Uh, didn't do any traveling. Um, so it was quiet, but it was quiet and calm uh, and, and reflective. So I think it was good. How about yourself? Same. Yeah, we kept it small and, you know, hung out and relaxed. It was good. It was fine. A little boring. Yeah. You know, usually, like, the yeah. holidays are crazy and you're driving around to, like, five different places and stuff. But, exactly. like, it was actually, you know, like, Christmas Day was actually probably better than normal because i hate the whole like driving 100 miles back and forth across town oh god yeah that's yeah i'm I'm sure you probably do a lot more of that than i do but i I think i'm right there with you like we you know we put the lights on on the christmas tree we we played some christmas music on the record player and it was a a very peaceful christmas morning my girlfriend made a quiche that was among the best things i think i've probably ever eaten in my life so all in all things considered a solid a solid christmas on my end nice a quiche is like that's kind of just like an egg casserole thing right it it is but there are i can't cook to save my life or bake or do anything like that but there are an enormous number of layers of complexity that go into making a quiche it's, it's quite a product nice sounds but, tedious yeah, was, and delicious was, yes exactly and, and don't worry, i didn't have any role to play in the actual making of it but i i enjoyed it quite a bit nice nice my my wife made some uh gluten-free uh cookies which is good because i i haven't eaten uh wheat I've, I've been doing the keto thing for the last like yeah. five years, so I haven't eaten. Right. I literally haven't eaten wheat in five years, and uh, I really can't get any like sweets that I can eat. So anytime yeah. I can eat anything gluten free and sugary, it's it's a good day. Oh, dude, I totally believe that. And for Christmas, I mean, come on, like that. What oh, better yeah. time is there of the year to eat sweets? Oh, of course. So, dude, this is the big one. I look forward to this episode every year. Our 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 year end award show, if you will. Um, where we hand out random awards, and it's different every year. It's not like a set list of awards we give out. I kind of make it up uh, every year based on how I'm feeling that day. So, but we yeah. have some. We have uh, you know we we put our minds together and came up with some awesome categories, if I do say so myself. So I, I think uh, the audience is really going to enjoy it. Let's jump right in let's to our uh, to our year end award show. Um, let's start off by you and I just taking our L's uh, right up front. We're gonna we're gonna accept our losses live on air. Um, mm-hmm. The worst prediction that either of us made in the year of our Lord, 2020. You go first, Drew. Yeah, okay, so mine, I I try and stay away from making predictions, but I did get a little bit over my skis on one, 
where I predicted Donald Trump would win, I think it was like 380 electoral votes, pretty Whoa. confidently. Yeah, yeah. I, I had him win, not just winning, but like winning handedly. Like when? Um, Are you talking like the spring? No, this was like, this was maybe, it was the Sunday before the election. I oh, remember wow. I put out my electoral map. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, I, I for a split second, I thought about deleting the tweet where I tweeted out my electoral map. And I was like, don't do that. Don't Never. be a coward. No, nope, be like, a man. You got you to gotta leave it up. <laughs> got to leave it up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was I was totally wrong. I was way off. And there were a couple points during election day where I was like, aha, I've got this in the bag. Like, no one but me saw this coming. And then like the the, the numbers ticked in and I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm I, I, I swung big. Right. It's something I criticize lots of people for doing often. <laughs> uh, swung, I swung big and I missed big. So I'll, I'll I'll fess up. Very wrong. Hey, man, it's better to be strong and wrong than you know, a little bitch, I suppose. Exactly. There's, there's some, there's some man in the arena quote, I'm sure here <laughs> that, that goes into this, right? Like, or like die on, die on your feet rather than live on your knees. Listen, I was wrong. I was totally wrong. Um, there it is. I'll fess up. My, my prediction is it's a little bit more depressing than yours. I mean, it is kind of depressing that Donald Trump lost. Obviously that's a real bummer, but, uh, I think sure. mine's even more depressing. Just really starting the show off on a low note, <laughs> but. Oh God. Um, All right. Let's hear it. I, uh, I made the prediction on this podcast in March that although people were scared, although a lot of Americans have rejected liberty and individualism for, you know, collectivism and communism, essentially. And despite all of that, I still made yeah. the prediction that if the state, if the government tried to lock us down, it might work for a few weeks. Oh, God. Maybe a okay. month, maybe a month and a half. I was... <laughs> Wrong. I, we are a Ouch. lot. We are a lot worse off as a society than I thought. We're a lot further from the founding than I thought. Yeah. And all of us who value freedom, man, we have our work cut out for us because America is not. And I, I don't think I'm going too far. I always go too far with most things <laughs> I say on the show, but I, I, I don't think we live in the America that I thought we lived in anymore. I think we've lost that. Um, I think a lot of people are totally fine uh, with yeah. being told what to do. A lot of people really are enthusiastically bending over and taking it from the government. And yeah. I just did not think that America was that far gone. Yeah, man. It, shit. That's that's a really good point. Like we, you know, when you think about it in retrospect, like, can you imagine going back to before all this started and said, you know, the government is going to consciously from sea to shining sea, shut down businesses, everyday life, schools, the whole nine yards, and the American people, all 300 million guns and everything, will not raise a hand in protest. It's amazing. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's amazing. Like, you, in a just world, got, people like Gretchen Whitmer or Andrew Cuomo or Gavin Newsom would not be governors. They'd probably right. be in prison. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, God. I, I mean— I've I've said and this is this is this strikes me as the sort of thing that you probably say about more people than I say. Um, but like, yeah, I think there's I think there's a lot more evidence that Cuomo should be in prison than yeah. he should be receiving an Emmy. And I don't think it's particularly close. Right. Like, I think he's a ghoul um, as a human. I, I don't think that that's news to anyone. But like, I think he has probably done some things that if we did live in a, a well-ordered and fair society, that he, he would be in irons. Yeah. And I don't even mean that the sending tens of thousands of people to their death um, prematurely in nursing homes. That's not I, I just mean the lockdown stuff. Yeah. I oh, think yeah. you can't violate your your oath to to uphold the Constitution of the United States and and remain and free and remain a free man. I mean, I think these every I think most governors, aside from maybe four or five of them, should be in chains right now. I mean, yeah. legitimately, I, I think even 10 oh, years ago, that would have been the case. Oh, yeah. You oh, know? Yeah. And, and we would have seen violent insurrection, I think, yeah. 10 years ago, yeah. right? I mean, I would would not would that not be justified? 
Oh, of course. I mean, like, what uh, other than I don't know, like. I'm trying to think of another example that, that, that could have justified it. And the only two I can really come up with would probably like in the last, I don't know, hundred years would probably be Jim Crow segregation yeah. and, and the, and Japanese internment, right? Like those are the two kind of yeah. pivotal moments where, uh, you know, the, the government's assault on Liberty were, were egregious enough where I'd be like, there's no way, there's no way on earth Americans stand for this. And obviously there's lots of complicated, um, reasons that historians have poured over for a long, long time about power dynamics for why those things didn't happen in those two cases. But in this one, it's like it, it does kind of leave you scratching your head. I mean, my governor, Mike DeWine, uh, I mean, he he told me that I'm not allowed to leave my house after 10 p.m. I mean, the, the only I mean, allegedly he's a Republican. He keeps saying he is, yeah. but I, yeah. I haven't seen any evidence uh, to, to prove that he's a Republican. But I mean, the only reasonable <laughs> response from the people of Ohio um to the governor saying that you can't leave your house after 10 as well, you're not allowed to be governor anymore. I mean, yeah. we, we will remove you from office and throw you in prison. That's, I mean, that's the that's only re- reasonable response. Yeah, and the other really interesting aspect, I think, of all of this is that these people, and like, it, I don't know, for me, it makes a lot more sense with the blue state governors, but like, a lot of these guys still have high approval numbers. Yeah. No, the, right? the like, only people that disapprove of DeWine in Ohio are people that want him to shut the entire economy down, not only, not just most of it. Yeah. It's God. amazing. I know, it's sad. I, I you know, I don't really recognize my country. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's uh, it's sad, man. So yeah, that's a that's that is sad. Like obviously, it's a it's a big miss on your part, but it's a far more sad miss than it is anything else. Yeah, I completely wish I was wrong. <laughs> I wish. Shit, man. Uh, yeah. Man. So let's uh let's turn around and uh bring up something positive. <laughs> yeah. After that, after that bloodbath, how about uh the biggest political victory of 2020? So um, I'm sure the listeners like this, but I think it's true. I think it's got to be Joe Biden. And here's why. Uh, there's obvious on the back end, he's a president, blah, blah, blah. But I, I want to, as someone who dwells a lot in the past, I want to take us back to the way we talked about Joe Biden heading into South Carolina. He had just come off of three early you know, early swing state contests where he got clobbered. He was what, like fourth or fifth in Iowa or something, right? Yeah. He, got, he got smoked by Pete. Yeah, fifth. He got smoked by Pete Buttigieg, who... Uh, Definitely up there with my bad predictions. I definitely thought Buttigieg was was going to be the nominee at one point and said it out loud. Um, but like he, everyone was saying that Georgia had to be or South Carolina had to be his final stand and that he needed to pull out a victory. And most people two weeks out from that were saying he doesn't have a prayer. He's toast. I would love to have seen what the betting markets looked like then. But he went from absolutely left for dead to president of the United States with a rapid ascent that I don't think we'll see the likes of again. Yeah, well, you you totally took a different route for uh, biggest political victory. I meant for conservatives, but you just ah. you took it as no. I mean, it's, no, that's good. That's a good answer. That's obviously the biggest just political victory by anybody. Sure. Um, and you're absolutely right. I mean, he was. I actually one prediction I did make on the podcast is I did predict like back in January, February that that Biden would eventually be the nominee, even when it looked mm-hmm. like he wasn't. And I, I think who did I have on? I need to look it up so I can shame them publicly. But <laughs> whatever, like we did a prediction show uh, around the Democratic primaries. And I forget who it was, but a well-respected pundit, at yeah. least they used to be, but predicted that Liz, Liz Warren would, would have been the nominee. Oh, Lord, like, no way. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, however wrong we were, you know, you're yep. never that wrong. But um, totally. I, I just had to go, obviously, the confirmation of uh, Amy Coney Barrett yeah. um, and just Mitch McConnell's ability to rally the troops. I mean, when, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg um, passed away, and I believe it was September 17th, which Sounds is right. 
what five and a half weeks or something before the election. I I didn't know if the GOP could get it done, man. There is a lot of weak, spineless, feckless. Yeah. GOP senators, brother. <laughs> look at Obama. Look at Obamacare repeal and replace. Yeah. Right, like look at the yeah. things that Republicans have failed to come together on and get done. Look, do you really think that Rob Portman and Marco Rubio and Joni Ernst and these people were were enthusiastic about pushing Amy Coney Barrett through at the eleventh hour? <laughs> I don't no, think so. But Mitch McConnell, not. the apex predator of the Senate, yep. cocaine Mitch made it happen. Um, totally. Obviously. It, well, the real answer, I mean, I, I shouldn't give two, but the real answer for, for biggest political victory in, in the real world, obviously mm-hmm. we Americans view every American politics as the be-all, end-all, but obviously the Abraham Accords, um, yeah. the, the oh, peace yeah. deals between Israel and all these Arab states are obviously the most important victory uh, geopolitically. Um, yeah. You know, pe- peace in the Middle East is a way bigger deal than <laughs> anything we have going on here. Yes, but, uh, that's fair. That's definitely fair. And so, I'll give you I'll give you one more since you got to that's really quick. I I think that and I think we'll probably have books written about this in the years to come. But I also think down ballot Republicans, particularly in the House, come off as a huge winner, right? Like I I remember talking about how it was going to be a wipeout in the House about how Republicans weren't just going to lose seats; they were going to lose an enormous number of seats, right? You're going to yeah. see Pelosi ride in with this enormous overwhelming majority the way that you see in state legislatures and it just didn't happen you had republicans who beat the pants off of democrats in a lot of important swing districts and more importantly they like republicans who weren't projected to win held on and won and i think that when we when we look back on the 2020 election in 2022 or 2024 the fact that pelosi is going to have a razor thin margin in the house even with a biden administration is going to be enormously consequential yeah you're absolutely right and even piggybacking on that the inroads that the GOP was able to make in uh, minority communities. Yep. I mean, yeah. Donald Trump doubled his his percentage of the black vote from 2016, yeah. and, and made huge inroads in in this Hispanic community. I believe in Florida, he won Hispanics outright. Yeah, which I think is you're right. Bonkers. Which is insane. Right. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And it just proves how stupid the GOP has been. For, for, yes. Exactly. I mean, exactly. I don't know why our they inability. Our, yeah. And like that's that's the thing. Like I, I think. I, I, I agree with you that this one is, is enormously consequential, but I want to see how it continues to play out, right? Like, do the scales fall from the eyes of all of the, you know, the ship range GOP pollsters and other people who finally can maybe perhaps leverage this and use it to get in front of minority communities with a resounding message? Yes, hopefully. But I, God, I've been burnt too many times to think that this is the year that they figure it out. Yeah, I definitely think you're right there. Um, I'll go first with this next one. And this is yeah. a good one. The most consistently wrong. We're, we're going to choose the person who's been, person in political life who's been the most consistently wrong over the course of 2020. I got to go with Anthony Fauci. Ooh, okay. I mean, yep. this guy is not a real doctor. He is a doctor like Julius Irving is a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony That's Fauci good. is a doctor like Jill Biden is a doctor. Anthony Fauci is a doctor like Dr. Pepper is a doctor. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, we, we can talk. I'm not even talking about how he lied to the American people over and over about masks, about herd immunity. I mean, darn near criminal, if you ask me. But every yeah. prediction he made has been extraordinarily wrong, which, by the way, now he's saying that this new strain of, of the virus coming from England isn't a big deal. So that's scary since he's <laughs> so been wrong he's about everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Dang it, man. Yikes. Yeah, that's uh, less than encouraging, to put it mildly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm I'm going to go a little bit different and I'm going to say Bill Crystal, And he is someone who has obviously been wrong 
for since time immortal. Just goes right? without saying. He's, man. <laughs> he has long. He's been incredibly good. I think at being wrong, but I think 2020 was really the year where he took a step uh, in in the incredibly wrong direction that put him up there with a pantheon of great wrong pundits and predictors for a couple reasons. One, everything he said about the election was wrong. Uh, everything he said about trying to get uh, Republican voters and peeling them off to vote for someone other than Donald Trump was wrong. And everything he has said so far about the transition and the way Trump will behave and everything else has also been wrong. I mean, he had a big thread that went like pretty viral. What was it? Two weeks ago where he said that by now that the reason A.G. Barr was leaving was so that Trump could enact components of the Insurrection Act. He was going <laughs> to seize voting machines. Like it's, it's, it was batshit crazy. And everyone looked at it, they like, oh, he's like, he's like, yeah, I've been having conversations with people connected, blah, 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 blah. Like, just no, just enormously wrong. And so I think he went from someone who was like, I don't know, he found himself on the outs with the Trump administration once upon a time. And so he he was trying to, you know, he, he obviously carved a unique space off for himself. Uh, but he has gone from, you know, never Trump to the really annoying variety of never Trump to foundational conspiracy theorist. And I, I think we got to give credit where due on that. I'm surprised you didn't make the claim that A.G. Barr was leaving because, I don't know, he finally discovered the weapons of mass destruction that don't exist or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's like, ugh, God, you would think. I mean, if anyone, he's he's probably still out there looking. <laughs> yeah. Like this guy. Yeah, I he really has, I mean, for my entire adult life and teenage years, I, I I got into politics pretty early as a teenager. Yeah, I, I'm, sure. I'm 31 now, so you're, we're talking all the way back to uh, since I started paying attention in 04, 05, maybe. I mean, Bill Crystal has been consistently wrong on every single thing he said for the last 15 years. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. It's yeah. incredible. Cons- you got to respect it's the consistency. Impressive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If nothing else, his ability to be wrong is is the sort of thing that like even if you were like the thing of it is, even if you were trying to be wrong, yeah. it would be hard. Like you would you would miss fire sometimes. Right. It's like yeah. if you if you just wrote B as your answer to, on a test for every single answer, like by happenstance, <laughs> you were likely to get some that just so happened to be B. And yeah. he he manages to beat the odds time again. And it's it, it truly is impressive at this rate. Like the only level of wrongness i've ever seen that rivals bill crystal would be like joe biden on foreign policy yeah like he's been for all the bad wars and and like the only military action he's ever been against in his entire public life was taking out osama bin laden yeah that's true how can you be that wrong like my goodness it's amazing yep it's a talent exactly as i would say it, it is it is impressive it is it is truly genuinely impressive I'm looking forward to this next category, Drew. Grifter, Grifter of the Year. <laughs> you go first. Okay, um, I, I'm going to give it to a collective, if that's okay. Yeah, I know. Um, it's probably the same one I picked. It's got to be the Lincoln Project. It's got to be the Lincoln it's Project. It's got to be the Lincoln Project. It's got to be. I want to I set the stage here, because we are living in a golden age of grifting. Oh, yeah. Right? I, between social media and the rise of Donald Trump and the, you know, the fissures and fractures within the Republican Party, it is very, very rare that we see a grifter moment the way that we are seeing the one that we're living through now. Like the only other thing I can think of is like, you know, back in uh, this like Chicago World's Fair time where medicine, like there wasn't an FDA kind of thing. I, mm-hmm. I know you're a libertarian, but bear with me here. Like back when like people would just peddle these like s- literal snake oil, right, like, right. like the snake oil salesman days. That's the only time I can think of a better collection of or, or, or a more ready-made circumstance for grifting than what we're living through right now. So the top of the heap is an impressive thing to scale. 
uh, the Lincoln Project raised millions and millions and millions of dollars <laughs> and they just paid themselves like i remember i remember when they first started i went through their um their fec filings and i was like wow this is weird like they're like i don't know all that much about this space but like these guys are really giving most of this money <laughs> yeah. back to their own organizations yeah. hey, i was man. like whatever man like no one's gonna pay attention no one's gonna care about these guys like they'll they'll vanish the way tons of other places do and then they just didn't and then and they it was like 80 million dollars i think they pulled in by by the end of the election it was bananas how much money they raised overwhelmingly it went back to the guys who founded the organization <laughs> and then it was it, somebody leaked it might have been the daily beast or msnbc or somebody like that they they got a leak of their internal polling that basically found out that their ads didn't do anything. Nothing. They didn't change any voters' minds. Nothing. Like, forget actually doing what they set out to do, right? Save the GOP or whatever other bullshit they were selling to people. Like, they didn't do anything, and they made almost $100 million doing nothing. Do you know how many uh, Confederate flag coolers you can buy with $100 million? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what he'll do. Maybe he'll set up a company or something. Just the obvious brazen god just rem- a, just strategy of removing cash from the pockets of stupid democrats i mean mo- most democrats amazing. yeah most democrats are smart enough to like actually donate to democratic causes and stuff and, and right know, but like for the dummies they're out there there rick wilson There's... was just to mop up that cash from the dumb ones <laughs> the dumb it's, leftists it's, it's just outstanding just in like from rick wilson all these guys just like the sheer magnitude of their inflated sense of self-worth <laughs> yeah it's like these people think like they actually think like you yep. know john mccain's failed campaign staff from 2008 thinks that oh they're like God. these well-respected important political actors it's like, right nobody's cared about these dudes for a very long time exactly and like and you know i, I remember all the commentary after the you know after obviously they didn't do anything to help the election they're like Are they the only people who have gotten like are they the only collection of people who have managed to get the opposite team elected in like on both political parties? And I think (laughs) they may very well be right. Like that's I mean, if you look at the people who they targeted in the Senate, all of them, all all of the people who they targeted for defeat ended up winning. And they spent tens of millions of dollars doing it. Right. Like if I if I were to create a false flag Republican group to steal money from Democrat donors and and elect Republicans anyway, it would just be the Lincoln. It project, would be identical. Right? Like, yeah. I am I'm growing more and more convinced every day. The only reason I had any misgivings about having them be the number one grifters is I still kind of think it might be all false flag. Yeah. No, I mean, like, if you were to, you're, you're absolutely right. It would be identical if you were to create in a lab mm-hmm. a false flag organization totally. <laughs> to extract totally. cash from wallets of dumb you know, gullible leftist, it would be the Lincoln Project. And obviously, look, I, that's my choice, too. I, it, this, it's really the only it's the only choice. It's the only choice. I, I will give a shout out, an honorable mention, nowhere near the grifting levels of the Lim- Lincoln Project. But I got to give a shout out to uh, Kim Klasik, uh, the, the woman who yes. ran for, uh, for Congress in Baltimore. I mean, she tricked the RNC into letting her speak at their convention. I mean, shoot, I had her on my show, man. And uh, really? So they, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not a. Not great. <laughs> that, that could have been that could have been your 2020 uh, the, the, the yeah. biggest L you've taken. Um, yeah, yikes, man. But yeah, uh, you know, I mean, look, it turns out she's an idiotic racist. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, not totally. great. It's, um, it's amazing, and I mean, she lost she lost by 40 points, and I ran 40. the numbers too. She 
Um, so her opponent, Kwame Mufume, spent $4 per vote that he got. Yep. Guess how much she spent? A million dollars per vote. 90 That's bonkers. $90 <laughs> per vote. And then I, ran, I was like, that's got to be for a House seat. That's got to be, if not an all-time. Because like, even for the Senate, that's, yeah. really, that's, no, that's really, bad. really bad. That's bad. Um, and that's that's approaching like some of the worst Senate defeats, like the, the Jamie Harrisons and the yeah, people yeah, we yeah. saw. The only House race I could find that had a, a, a lower or a higher number of dollars spent to vote gained was, of course, John Ossoff. Ooh, and what he a doubles. Guy. I mean, he, but like he's he that will never be topped. Like no. that's I mean, that's, uh, you know, I, 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 it's like Cal Ripken streak, right? Like there's just some <laughs> things that you're never going to be able to touch. And that's it. Like, you know, I think that she she could be like the, you know, the, the, the perfect season for the Miami Dolphins kind of up mm-hmm. there. Impressive. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's. Yeah, they, they, they'll never they'll never get close. Yeah. And instead of using all those millions of dollars she had left over, uh, maybe, right. you know, giving them to say, I don't know, David Perdue or Kelly Leffler. Uh, yeah. She spent it on investigating voter fraud in an election where she lost by 43 points. <laughs> 40. Yes, exactly. God, like, remarkable. Come on. Absolutely come on. Remarkable. And she obviously just really, really, really hates Asian people. So, yeah, there's, there's yeah, I just great <laughs> great future of the gop really looking bright with that one absolutely outstanding stuff as always and but you know let's be honest the lincoln project really the winner yeah uh, it's gotta be if we could give them two trophies we would but it's oh, uh, one yeah. per category yeah. um all right here, here's a fun one how about the most insufferable public yes. figure yeah um so i'm in my mental calculus i'm including um journalists as public figures which could be wrong yeah. I, I could be breaking yeah. the rules no no you're, i'll allow it i'll allow it's, it it's gotta be npr's yumis alcindor Ooh, that's it's gotta one. be for me she's between the like the, the bullshit fact checks and the knowledge in the back of my mind that although it's a very small amount of money like some of my tax dollars pay her salary i'm i i can't stand her very very rarely and I, we, we were talking about this before the show like very rarely do I, I allow myself to get angry at the existence of left-wing journalists. Like I, I've made my peace with it a long time ago. I spent a lot of time looking at and criticizing and talking about the things they do. Like at this point, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't boil my blood the way that it probably does for other people and, and other things certainly do. But Yamish is, uh, she's in a category by herself, so she gets my top spot. She, uh, she is consistently, she consistently misleads. She's consistently dishonest, and I think in a in a media environment where there are lots and lots of activists who are masquerading as straight journalists, she is the worst actor. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, just the fact that she, you know, our tax dollars pay her salary really just really mm. puts her over the edge over, you know, like a Jake Tapper or somebody like exactly. that. But exactly. But I'm going to answer. I know I'm, I'm going to go off the rails and give a couple different answers, but I'll piggyback on yours first. I, I was just going to say every jur- just journalists, <laughs> just journalists, just collectively. Yeah. You can pick one. Jake Tapper. Aaron Rupar, we can talk about that guy uh, for, yep. just from this morning, but all of them. I mean, yep. I swear, that profession, that profession, brother, I mean, they it really attracts the worst type of person. And it's different. Yep. Like, I always talk, and I've, I've made this example on the show, and, and a lot of Republicans don't like it, when we talk mm-hmm. about, you know, like, bad cops. You know, mm-hmm. like, I, mm-hmm. I'm not this whole, like, back the blue totally. thing. You know, because, like, and this is why a lot of, there's a lot of evil cops and a lot of evil politicians, because professions where you have a power incentive attract bad people at yep, a higher totally. rate than professions that don't. I mean, totally. guys that do what you and I do for a living, like 
we have no power over <laughs> anyone. Exactly. So it's like at all. Yeah. But you know, people like cops, people like politicians that you're you're literally wielding power over your communities. It attracts sociopaths. You know, that's why yeah. there's a lot of, you know, if you just if you poll cops and congressmen, you know, I don't know, I don't know how like the percentage of just evil people in the world. Maybe like one yep. percent of people are just rotten to the core. Right, exactly. It's, I guess it's, it's like it's half of politicians and maybe like twenty five percent of cops or something like yep. that. But like yeah, that journalists, right they don't have an excuse. Like there's no power incentive to working right. at CNN. You know what I mean? But they still that that profession still manages to attract some of the worst human beings I've ever seen. And like when you talk yes. about Aaron Rupar from Vox celebrating the death of this this man who I, I shoot I, I forget the guy's name who just he was a congressman elect from yeah from, congressman elect from Louisiana uh, Luke, who, who passed away at, last time. at uh Luke something um but but anyway he passed away tragically last night at the age of 41 from COVID and Aaron Rupar and a lot of other lefty journalists were celebrating they're, yeah they're dancing on this guy's grave they're they're glad that he died and it's like man you deeply disgusting, evil, pathetic excuse for a human being you are, Aaron. I mean, yeah, my it's, goodness. it's vile. It's vile. vile. Luke Letlow, by the way. Luke and yeah, Letlow. I mean, like, yeah. and, and so it was like, new member of Congress, young guy, wife, two young kids, right? And it's, haven't we, like, we're almost a year into a global pandemic at this point. Why haven't people, particularly people in the public eye, why haven't they come around to the idea that it's it's bad to dance on people's graves? Like we had the same thing happen with Ben Carson or Ben Carson, Jesus Christ. Um, oh, I'm like, what happened to Ben Carson? I, I, was, <laughs> I was, I got, I got my, Hermit I got my, Hermit King, yeah, yeah. Hermit King. I got, I got my, uh, my new cycles confused because I, I jumped down on the list, but like, why, why don't people, why haven't they gotten it through their heads by now that making fun of or taking joy in the death of other people, particularly strangers is a gruesome dehumanizing thing to do. I dude, I just don't. I don't know. And I'm I please don't I I'm I'm an idiot. I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything. I'm I'm the worst. Don't don't, don't get me wrong, but when when so, when I see that somebody's passed away, it doesn't matter, you know, doesn't matter if they're on the right or on the left. I immediately stop what I'm doing and I say a prayer for their family. Yeah. You know, I mean that's just like and look, I've been a devout Christian my whole life. That's how I choose to live my life. But if you're not, at least don't be evil. Like, yeah. Even if you don't want to pray for for people you don't like, like at least just don't just don't be evil. Right. Like, it, it, like right. how hard is that? Or just don't be publicly evil. I mean, my God, like, I, I think part of it is why, why don't people have the good sense, even if you feel that way, to know that there's no, there's no universe where it's acceptable and appropriate to behave that way in public and not look like a ghoul. If leftists don't want conservatives to think that they all want us dead, they should stop celebrating when one of us dies. Yes. Yes. That would be a is, good Is stuff. that too much to ask? You would think not, right? It's and disgusting. Yet it seems like it is. It's disgusting, and and obviously, in this category of the most insufferable public figure, the, the real answer more than likely is Andrew Cuomo. Yeah. I, uh, you know, if if we're really he was being a close, honest, he was a close second. For yeah, me. I, I, and he's I, a deeply, deeply evil human being, a deeply corrupt human being who sent thousands of elderly people to their early graves, and then right. wrote a book as a quick money grab about how great a governor he is, and then he got yeah. to work on destroying the economy of New York forever. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Like, no, I don't think any any leader of a state will will have ever done like it, it's Nero like at, at yeah. this rate. Um, and I mean, I, I think one of the things that really stuck in my craw was he he was giving some interview um, before Christmas where he said that he's been a good boy this year. So he thinks Santa will be good to him. And I remember I saw it and I was like, 
you like there is there is something wrong like even among bad people right even talking about how politicians across the board are like pretty bad i think as a a collection of people like there's there's got to be a screw loose to be able to actually think and say that yeah it's like that's i don't know i can't tell well to say it yeah i can't tell if he knows he's evil and is just enjoying it or if he actually is so just demented that he's convinced himself he's the good guy like i I honest honest to goodness i can't tell i I don't know either but i mean i can't I, i can't help but think that it's that he is someone who who has to know better yeah right like he, he's got to yeah, I, I don't know, know. I he's evil tell. i mean maybe he's, he's just a complete sociopath you know I, I, yeah. i'm not sure let's have some fun with this next one you can go first uh what's your worst news cycle of the year yeah okay so obviously there's a lot of competition uh, part, there's, I'm sure every year there's a lot of competition. For you could put all this. 365 days a year up against exactly. the wall, start throwing darts at it, and just pick one. A, exactly. And you know, I think in during during the the Trump presidency, one of the things we saw was outrage news cycle after outrage news cycle, and bad and stupid news cycle after bad and stupid news cycle. My top though, my winner is the first and then second news cycles we had about hydroxychloroquine oh my which goodness. i hope i'm saying right i might be saying wrong but i think i might be saying it right right and so for those who don't know this was a, a potential cure for the coronavirus it had been used in some clinical settings there had been a big study about its potential effectiveness by the lancet in the uk which found that it was questionable and then they had to retract the study it was this big disaster um and you know a lot of doctors had said it was a good thing potentially right and this was this was back in i want to say may or june right uh it was it was during the summer this was when we were we were at this point everyone believed we were at least a year away from a vaccine we were in the throes of the worst of this we were hitting the shutdowns we didn't know what schools reopening was going to look like we didn't know how the winter was going to be and there's this potential for a, a cure that would at least be effective. You know, I think one of the things that I had seen that was that in clinical settings, um, a lot of doctors were reporting that for those with serious, con- you know, serious cases of, of COVID-19 who were in a medical setting, who were intubated or otherwise, like you know, kind of on death's doorstep, that hydroxychloroquine was actually super effective. And this was a period of time we were also worried about ventilators and respirators uh, and, and ICU beds and hospital burnout and everything else. And we just saw an entire news cycle of, of, of journalists. And it wasn't just like a few journalists who were saying like, eh, I don't know that I buy this, like CNN, MSNBC, I've got two separate threads on this. Everyone said that since Donald Trump said it would work, that it wouldn't work in the midst of a global pandemic yep. when there is a tiny bit of light that maybe we've got something that will be helpful in treating it. Nope. We saw the entire media ecosystem yeah nuke this thing out of orbit yeah man the corporate press has blood on their hands um i mean there's there's people who are dead now that would be alive if the press didn't hate trump so much that they try yeah. to convince people not to take hydroxychloroquine yeah i mean it's, I it's right. just that simple like yeah. jake tapper and brian stelter and these people literally killed people yeah with their trump yeah, i mean it's 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 insane like it's it's uh, i think Evil. And, and listen i get that i get that the the contours of history are always defined by the people who end up doing well in all of it. And so maybe this thing goes down the memory hole, but like, I got to think that if we, like if a historian sees this in 50 years, they're going to say, Holy shit, man. Like I, I'm, I'm stunned that this is, that this is how this thing got treated. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a good one, man. That's a good one. Uh, I I took a totally different angle to to the first news cycle. I'm going to go all the way back to March. 
uh, during that brief moment in time where the entire country came together and pretended to like Tiger King. (laughs) Like, I don't know why we did this. Like, we all watched that trash television program, literally the worst documentary any of us has ever seen. Yeah. The least entertaining entertainment any of us has ever been subjected to. And we all, because we were so bored, we just pretended that it was good. I mean, it's like, we made made whoever trash filmmaker made that film rich. That guy should not be rich. I don't know what what his name is, but he should be working at McDonald's. Probably fabulously wealthy. That's a great point. I hadn't thought about how much money that made somebody. Bad. And everyone, that was all anyone talked about. Yeah. Listen, I, I think I got a, a sick, twisted enjoyment out of it because obviously Joe Exotic was a libertarian. And so he, <laughs> he, is, he is more or less my perfect caricature of a libertarian. Like if I had to create a libertarian in a lab, it would be Joe Exotic. And so I, I enjoyed and appreciated that angle of all of it. But God, yeah, I mean, everyone, that's all anyone talked about. Carol Baskin was on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> I can't shake that. I don't listen, care. I hope she, does, I hope I don't she goes care. to jail whether or not she actually killed her husband. I don't like her. Um, and unlike you, I have no problem using the coercive power of the state to, to send people I don't like to prison. Uh, and she's she's got to be the top of the, the pile. On I mean, I don't care whether or not she killed her husband. I don't want to think about her. Mm. I mean, that, that, yeah. that program was so terrible. Oh, my goodness. God, things were really dark back in March. Huh? Yeah. I mean, we but just, I guess we I just guess pretend I, it... I can't believe we just we all lied to ourselves yeah. and each other. And you our know? friends, yeah, our yeah. friends and loved ones. And it's interesting, too, because this was back when, like, 15 days to slow the spread was a thing, right? Remember when it was like, oh, we got two weeks off from work, guys. Like, what do you want to do? Why don't I binge some trashy television on Netflix? I mean, imagine if we didn't have The Mandalorian to just, mm. you know, clear our palates at the end of the year. You know what I That's mean? That's a really good point. I haven't Man. seen the last couple episodes. I've, I've, oh, dude, I, so good. <laughs> I, I know. My brother got me into it. My brother and my dad watch it. And I, I watched, God, probably like five or six episodes back to back to back with my brother one day. And I was like, holy shit, this is, this is really good. This is, this is very impressive. Um, and that's as someone who doesn't know anything about the Star Wars universe, hasn't seen most of the movies. Like, I don't get it. And it's like, Whatever. You don't have yeah, to. Like, you, you don't, exactly. You, yeah, you really don't, have, don't to. have to. It's you just really a, don't have to. It's a Western set in outer space. Yep, totally. Great, great way to put it. I have not heard that before, but that's a really good way to put it. Fun fact about Mandalorian. Uh, the guy, what's his name? The guy from Game of Thrones who does the voice isn't actually in the suit most of the time, you know? like yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, The guy in the suit is freaking John Wayne's grandson. No way. Brendan Wayne. I did not know that. Who's like a stuntman and stuff. Yeah. Oh my god! So like all of those like scenes where he's just like the body language and everything is just super freaking western. Wow! That's John I... Wayne's grandson. That's brilliant. Yeah. I had no Isn't that idea. great? That's that's incredible. Oh, I yeah. had zero idea that was the case. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That's very bizarre. Wow. Huh. Cool. Biggest okay, that's a good un- answer. Biggest unsung hero of 2020. Mm-hmm. Do you want this one first? Or you want me to? I can go first. I'll go. Uh, I'm gonna go with Jared Kushner. Uh, yeah, that's a he, good one. He was mocked relentlessly by the press and and uh, and the left. You know, oh, it's just nepotism. He doesn't know what he's doing. Why is he working on Middle East peace and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Um, it was easier because he kind of like looks and sounds like a dork too. So yeah, was, yeah, know, totally. Which I, hey, I'll admit that. But <laughs> yeah, but look, man, Jared Kushner was a he was a driving force behind these Israeli peace deals. He really put in the work. Um, and, and and help facilitate a lot of this stuff, and he'll obviously never get the credit that he deserves. But um, totally. you know, really, in, in a in a normal universe, um, Israel uh, coming to to yeah. terms with all of these Arab states, this is the biggest news, realistically, yeah. that we've seen in a long, long time. That's and really uh, Jared Kushner was a was a major part of that. 
Yeah. Wow. That's a great answer. I mean, he, he would have probably like six Nobel prizes if he were a Democrat, right? Oh yeah. No, of course. They they would, they would have renamed the Nobel peace prize after him. I suspect by now. hundred percent. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Great. Great answer. Um, I'm going to go in a slightly different direction and I'm going to say, and I'm I'm worried this one could blow up in my face. Uh, I'm going to say Tom Cotton and here's why. Um, I think that throughout the Trump years, there has, it has been difficult to advance priorities that stick um, for a lot of reasons, most of them tied to, 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 to Donald John Trump. But um, I think that one of the things that has happened and will continue under the Biden administration is a more, I don't want to call it hostile, but a more combative posture towards a rising ascendant China. And I think Tom Cotton has been, in a lot of senses, the guiding force behind that change. Um, and I think that he, I don't think he's gotten the credit for it. I don't know that he ever will. Um, but I think that he has done a, a good job on that front to advance something that we're going to look at in 20 years and see as enormously consequential. Yeah, that's actually not a bad choice. Uh, that Tom Cotton didn't come to mind. But yeah, and for anybody that hasn't been following the China stuff that closely, you know, the whole time Donald Trump the last four years has been complaining on Twitter about China Guys like Tom Cotton have been actually pushing yeah. uh, policies that that are you know not hostile. I don't know if hostile is the right word, but yeah. you know more critical of China. You know, uh, right. and that's and definitely keeping important. Keeping the spotlight. Yes. you know, I think so, so much of it is 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 raising national attention. Then that takes you know that takes elbow grease, and I think that he's done a really good job to to keep the beat on that one, and done it in a way where Biden's already said coming in that he's not going to roll back. Like a, you know, a number of from the tariffs and other policies. Like he, I think it, we're going to see Biden adopt a policy relatively similar when he comes in office, which would be remarkable given the legacy of failure when it comes to foreign policy of of Biden and the people. Yeah, he's absolutely. And with. and communist China really is. I, I mean, I'd go so far to say they're a bigger threat than the Soviet Union ever was. Um, I mean, the Soviet Union, yeah. I mean, they were obviously a deeply, deeply evil communist regime that killed a lot of people. I mean, Stalin killed something like 20 to 25 million people himself. But um, the, yeah, the right. Soviet economy was always a paper tiger. And to a certain extent, I mean, yep. if, after, I, I don't know, kind of throughout the entire Soviet period, the, the Soviet military, especially after, and they did rebuild a little bit, but after World War II, and it kind of continued, they, they were a, yeah. a paper tiger, man. They got wiped out. That's a good in point. World War Two, and you know they were never right. really the they, they were, were never, never really gonna... the military threat yeah. um, that we thought they were, and you saw that when we kind of baited them into invading Afghanistan. Uh, but yeah, China, right. their economy is not a paper tiger. Their military is not a paper exactly. tiger. They, I, right. I don't know. I Joe Biden. Joe and their Biden economy keeps, has the ability to compete in a way the Soviet Union's never never 100%. possibly could have. Right, like the there was there was always I think. Uh, the scent of death on the the Soviet economy in a way that that's obviously not the well, case. China with produces China. things. I mean, the, the Soviet economy yeah. produced oil and vodka. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and wheat. And China's economy wheat. produces items world. that everyone in the modern world uses daily. And that's scary. And yeah. yeah and, and they, they know, know it. it. And they, they know, know it. it. Yep. And so it. I think Tom Cotton, that would, uh, um, you know, I, I disagree with Tom Cotton on a lot of stuff, but definitely not on the China stuff. I'm totally with him there. So that's a very good choice. Yep. Um, I can go first on this next one. And, uh, and we'll, we only have a couple more more uh, categories. We'll end the show on a positive note. Uh, let's give an award for man of the year. Or it can be woman of the year, you know, person of the year. Uh, try to keep it to either, you know, real gender, though, male or female. <laughs> I, I got to make my man of the year, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. I mean, he's one yeah. of a handful of governors and and, you know, uh, Parsons in Missouri, uh, Christy Nome in South Dakota. 
uh, are, are a couple others, but yeah. uh, obviously Florida is a much more populated state, a much more important state. Um, right. He's one of the few governors that still believes in, in individual liberty. Uh, one of the few. And right. he refused to turn Florida into a communist dystopia like like most of the other states. Yep. And Florida fared better than most other heavy, heavily populated states, proving that lockdowns are insane, evil, and, and ultimately counterproductive. So man of the year, congratulations, right. Ron DeSantis. I would crawl over broken glass to vote for that guy for president in 2024, let me tell you. Totally. Totally. But, you know, I, I, I really racked my brain to try and come up with someone other than DeSantis for man of the year. And I can't do it. I, I, agree <laughs> with I, I think it's got to be DeSantis. He's, he, I mean, some of it, too, is like, what's like, you know, looking at the numbers, right, in terms of deaths per 100,000 people, Florida is about 96, 97. New Jersey is 205. Yeah. New York is 188. Yeah. Right. When you when you just look at the ways that different governors have allowed their states to respond differently. DeSantis took the one with, I, I'm, I'm assuming, right, if not the highest and certainly one of the highest rates of elderly, which is with the largest comorbidity when it comes to this thing, and has managed to thread public policy in a way that he has kept the elderly safe, kept deaths down, kept the economy moving, and, and won in a lot of ways, and, and just was good and thoughtful and smart. And yeah, I mean, he's... I, I I remember when he first got in office, he had a super, super high approval rating. I'm sure that's taken a hit because the media obviously lambats to this guy. He's fighting enemies on all sides. But in a purple state, to govern as effectively as he has, despite the unending criticism unfairly of the national media, it's – it's it's brilliant. I think he's it's a blueprint for other governors to follow. It's a it's a blueprint for the future of yes. conservatism. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think he's I think he's he's staking his claim to not just someone who we should take very seriously in 2024, or 2028, but as someone who has a vision for what conservatism yes. can look like. Uh, that is is not just good, but competitive and necessary. And in your 100 percent. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. correct that he is an example of the future of, of conservatism, or at least what the future of conservatism has to be if conservatism is going to survive. Because yep. most Republican governors, when the chips were on the table, took off their GOP pin and became a Marxist. <laughs> including yep. yeah. including yeah, exactly. Greg freaking Abbott of Texas. Okay, all of them. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. I mean, look at my governor, Mike DeWine. I mean, it's this is this Abbott. guy. You know, I mean... The fact that the entire corporate press, the entire national media, all aimed their guns at Ron DeSantis all at the same time and tried to break him down. He didn't break. Yeah. He didn't break. He's a yep. he he's similar to Trump in a lot of ways. He's a he's a more intelligent, more conservative Trump, right? But exactly. but he took he exactly. learned from Trump the most important lesson that Trump taught the GOP. And if they don't learn this lesson, the GOP's done. And that is do not yep. give an inch to the commies in the corporate press. These people hate you. Yep. They want you dead. They will not stop until they achieve their goals and just give them nothing. Don't give them an inch. And Ron DeSantis yep. did not give them an inch. Greg Abbott caved and locked stuff down. Mike DeWine caved and yep. locked stuff down. Ron DeSantis held yeah. fast, brother. And the pressure was yes. enormous, right? As And in part because other Republican leaders yep. and governors threw yep. the towel. And he didn't. He didn't. Yeah. What a beast, man. I, I hope he's president one day. Seriously. Uh, last category, man. Uh, you can go first here. What should, uh, not not an award, but in your opinion, what should be priority number one for conservatives going into 2021? 
Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And I'll, I'll probably make this a little bit more philosophical Go than I it. need to. Um, what I think the GOP needs to focus on is, and I'll tip my hand about the piece that I'm working on right now, but it's about intergenerational ethics. I think the GOP needs to focus in 2021 and beyond in how do we build a framework that a framework of ethics and public policy that helps young people. And I think that as a libertarian, you might be a little bit scared about the idea of a government that helps people, but bear with me here. I think right now the GOP, one of the reasons that we struggle to attract young voters is we already have an intergenerational ethics and it skews meaningfully towards towards the elderly, right? Like we, that they're a huge base of our voters. Uh, we care a lot about what they, what they think and what they believe as a result of that. But I think that we need to start getting serious on a lot of issues that are gonna screw over young people that old people don't necessarily care about. That's things like the debt and the deficit. It's things like climate change. It's things like the, you know, the, the market that people like you and I are gonna be living in in 20 or 30 years. It's housing policy. And I think it, it spans a lot of different interesting and thorny and complicated issues where we've got our heads up our asses a little bit. Uh, and that what the GOP needs to start doing if we wanna start winning younger voters and if we wanna start actually being competitive, um, you know, not just with young people, but within a lot of kind of purpley states is how do we make the environment better for younger people? And a lot of that is gonna be by rolling back regulations. 100%, no, that, that's actually, and I'm gonna get to my, my real answer in a minute and just kind of piggyback off of yours, but I think you're absolutely right, especially on these uh, intergenerational issues. I remember um, it was before we all knew that, uh, I mean, I kind of had an idea, but it was before, this is several years ago, it's before we knew that Candace Owens was a grifter. When, when she was kind of yeah, like a, okay, not, I don't okay. want to, I wouldn't go so, so far to say respected, but at least like a mainstream force <laughs> on the right, you know? And I remember yep. she, uh, she went on Joe, Rogan, Joe Rogan's podcast and completely embarrassed herself when talking about climate sure. change. And uh, Joe, even Joe yep. Rogan was, like, trying to help her out. Like, he was, like, throwing her, oh, like, an God. escape rope. Like, please, I'm trying to help you. Yeah, it was say yeah. lifeline And she just wouldn't lifeline. accept it. She kept just saying over and over that global warming was, like, a lie created by the Democrats or something. Yeah, a, Chinese, a, yeah, Chinese a, a hoax. I'm yeah. like, so he's like, well, you know, like, you don't mean that it's, you know, climate change doesn't exist. She's like, no, it doesn't exist. It's all fake. It's all a lie. And he's like, well, okay, so I think what you mean is that humans aren't, you know, the cause of climate change. He's like, nope, the climate has never changed. He was like, well, yeah, in the 70s, like... everybody thought there was, you know, there was global cooling. Everybody thought there was going to be another ice age. And then now, you know, obviously the, right. the climate's getting warmer. And, and so the climate, you know, does change. And she's like, nope, nope. It's been the same temperature every day. It's the same Not temperature exactly, now as exactly. it is in the middle of the night. Uh, and it's, uh, yep, nope, winter, summer, spring, fall, it is exactly 75 degrees everywhere on the planet. And it's like, it's like, okay, like, what is happening? Like, is Remarkable. that like a real position of some Remarkable. people on the right that, like, the climate doesn't change at all? <laughs> and it's like, yep. you're absolutely right. Yep. We need to purge the conservative movement of a lot of these weird, bizarre things that they've yeah. held on to for all this time, you know? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I think that that's part of it. And, you know, I think that there are a lot of young people who see through things like that and they're like, this is like, this is trash. Like, why am I going <laughs> on with this? And I think a lot of it ties in well too to yeah. the coronavirus, right? Like we have, I think part of, part of the intergenerational ethics of lockdown dubious as, as it is, I, I guess I can kind of see the logic here is we are making, we are asking young people to make sacrifices for the well being and the betterment of the elderly. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sold that we're actually thinking through all the implications there. And I'm not sure we're balancing that weighing of trade-offs in a way that is one thoughtful or be in a way that actually holds any water morally. 
And so I think that I think the GOP needs to get a lot more explicit about the way we think right. about those sorts of things. And I think that once we do a lot of other a lot of other things and a lot of other policy proposals, right. will make a lot more sense. And I, I have no problem with that as a libertarian either. <laughs> I agree with you on that stuff. And I yes, will say I'll yes, push back good. on your hatred of libertarians a little bit, though, talking about the future of conservatism. I, I even think that you might agree with me that you better hope that libertarians still have an outsized influence on conservatism because it's necessary. And if that goes away, yeah. we lose a lot. We lose a lot of the founding, you know, um, because yeah. if you take libertarianism out of conservatism, you get Tucker Carlson endorsing Elizabeth Warren's economic plan on his show on Fox News. Right. Okay, so it's like you better That's hope right. the yeah. better yep. hope yes. the libertarians are here to point. stay, Drew. You can make <laughs> your jokes, but you better hope that we're here to stay or you're getting like socialism That's in fine. 10 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll I'll drop the bit for a really quick second and just say that yeah, that's right. Um, and I think I've I've certainly seen it with yeah. the lockdown yep. stuff, right? Like it, but but for the libertarian streak within the Republican Party, I think you would see a lot more states that look like yeah. Ohio. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, there is going to be this this battle between the traditional conservatives, you know, and and their libertarian allies, and like the super nationalist populist wing of the Republican Party. And it's going to be weird, man, yeah. because they, it's it's not that they're yeah. like, I, I don't hate everything that the nationalists say, you know, like I don't. I'm, oh, you're a nationalist. Right. So you're a yeah, racist. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I don't. It's you. not like that. But man, they're they have such a bizarre influence because of guys like Tucker Carlson, who I, I think really doesn't know what he's yep. talking about, especially on things like economics. It's going to be a weird battle for the soul of the GOP going forward, man. And I just hope our side wins out because. Yeah. I mean, if we lose, I mean, look, that's what happened to Europe, right? There are no fiscal conservatives in Europe. You know, I mean, they're all right, gone. It's just right. a big government nationalists and big government communists. And yikes. Right. I mean, like that's, I mean, we lose the republic if we get to that point. So I, we're going to have some really important policy fights within the GOP in the next, I, mean, I was going to say five years, but the next two years. And the more libertarian yeah. side, that the the real conservative side is going to have to win out if we're gonna if we're gonna survive going yeah. forward. Yep, exactly. I I'm yeah, I, I'm sympathetic to that. <laughs> uh, look, I think it's if if we've got if our two choices are between um like the libertarians and like the the groipery types. Oh god, I wasn't know? even talking like, about them, but the, yeah, <laughs> the, the choice is obvious. Yeah, but I but I mean I think that there's 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 definitely that like in a lot of ways we can have a Republican Party that is that is centered on the idea of individual liberty, or we can have a Republican party that's centered on kind of creeping ethno nationalism yeah. and protecting dying industries like coal and, and American manufacturing or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I, I think that there's, there's going to be a, a push pull there. And I'm worried that if the people who aren't interested in Liberty are the ones who win, it's, it's going to look uh, real bad for our party. I'll, I'll explain the- just for the audience what I mean to just in terms of, I'll just, you give examples using current politicians I know I, I I'm not delusional. I know that you know we're probably never going to have a libertarian president. I know that libertarianism will always be unpopular. Um, so it's like I, I don't I don't expect Mike Lee to be the face of the GOP. I would love that. I think he's probably the best politician we have in the country. Sure. I would love that. I think he's right on 99% of issues. But that's never going to happen. But the fight, yep. you know. But the Mike Lees of the world and the Rand Pauls and the Thomas Masseys of the world still need to have an outsized influence considering there's only like five of them in office. But the, the, the fight of the future of the GOP is going to be, are we going to look like Ron DeSantis, you know, a true conservative with, I, I guess you could say libertarian influences or Josh Hawley who wants to nationalize yep, exactly. Facebook. Okay. <laughs> it's like, come on. 
the tech the, the tech oh my stuff goodness. really does scare me. <laughs> Y'all trying to give uh, Shoshana yeah. Weissman a heart attack, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. God, I can't. She she'll be in prison under Holly. I I don't know. Yes. I don't know. She'll 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 be like a a, a political <laughs> refugee or something. She I don't will. know what's gonna happen there. She will. So it's gonna be interesting. <sighs> and then uh, my priority number one, and I think you're absolutely right. Um, but uh, just taking a little different direction, we need to destroy the press. I mean, we need to we need to ramp up our efforts. And I know, like, I, I, I rail on the press every second on the show, and I, it, you know, and we make jokes. But le- legitimately speaking, we're not going to live in a free country, and we're not going to have free and fair elections until the corporate press is gone and replaced with something different. I mean, like, the the, the election was not rigged by uh, Dominion yeah. voting machines or by the the Secretary of State and Georgia's imaginary brother, like. Like Trump says, the election was rigged by the press. Okay, they yeah. look at the Hunter Biden scandal, which was a real, legitimate right. scandal. The Biden family corruption yeah. is is real and legitimate. And the press, they didn't do what they typically would do. Typically, they would try to convince the electorate that whatever scandal is happening on the left is not a big deal, right? That's what they did with right. Bill Clinton. That's what they did with every Obama scandal. Oh, it's no big deal. They went. Yep. This isn't truly yeah, they a went scandal. Full Chinese Communist Party style state run media around the Hunter Biden story. And they yeah. just they just put on their clown nose, went on TV and told the told the country that nothing was happening. What do yep. you believe Mia? your lying yeah. eyes? 17 percent of yeah. Biden, Biden voters, 17 percent said that they would have reconsidered their vote for Biden if they would have known about the Hunter Biden story. But the press completely covered it up. Insane. It's not enough. I mean, yeah. when I say destroy the press, I mean. Every, the New York Times, the Washington Post, all these companies need to go bankrupt. They need to be destroyed. The earth salted where they once stood. And they need to re- be replaced by something else. I, I don't—we might even need to call journalism something else. Come up with a new word. I mean— <laughs> a, yes, new, a, a new name. A new name for the industry. should be viewed like carnival barkers. I mean, they should be viewed as like the town drunk. It should be embarrassing to admit that you're a journalist in public. Like I, I know, I, I know, I sound totally ridiculous right now, but I mean it. I, I, t- I completely mean it. These people are the worst. They're holding the country hostage. They literally rigged the last election. That's how you rig an election, not with voting machines, but with Jake Tapper. Okay, that that's what that's how you do it. And these people uh, must be yeah. destroyed and replaced with with something completely new. We need to, you know, how the left says we need to reimagine policing or whatever. Yeah, I yeah, unironically yeah, 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 yeah. believe we need to reimagine the profession of journalism. Yeah, yeah, man, you're further out than I am, obviously, <laughs> on this stuff. But I, I, <laughs> I, I'm right there. With, like, I, I really like the idea of reimagining journalism and certainly its role in, in public yeah. life. You know, because I, I think you're right. Like, the, I think the the 2020 election was a uh, a really troubling and disconcerting and obviously often overlooked use case and the enormous and outsized influence that not just the media, but certain objectively bad actors in the media have over the the, the American electoral process. 100 percent. 100 percent. Drew, my brother, it's always a pleasure. Let's do it again uh, very soon. Uh, I, I kept you way over time, yes. but this was a big one. We, we had to get to all oh, of these categories. Yeah, I was going to say, this is exactly, of all the ones to go over time. Brady, Congratulations cool. to all the idiots that we handed out awards to, with the, with the exception <laughs> of, uh, and, and we, the we, we had a couple positive categories at the end, but congratulations to all the commies that we just torched yes. over the last hour. <laughs> Drew, <laughs> yeah, where can exactly. everybody uh, keep in touch with you and read your stuff and all that? Yeah, absolutely. Best way to find me, best place to find me is on Twitter, unfortunately. It's uh, Drew Holden 360 all one word. I'm there. I'm there too often. Um, and all my writing ends up there one way. Everybody follow Drew. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.